Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jeff and Lori and John and team. Your um, setback may be God preparing you for a comeback. Uh, you think about the trials and the sufferings that you go through, and many of you are. Uh, aren't you glad that there's no COVID in heaven? Can I get an amen? No COVID in heaven. Amen. I am so tired of Omicron and his friends, but God is working. God is uh, working in your life. Your test right now is going to be your testimony. And you look at your life and say, well, it's just a mess. There's so, it's so messy right now. And God's crafting, God's working a wonderful message. And so God is on his throne. We've sung about it. We've exalted Christ. We're exalting his word. We're going to preach his word. We're going to pray together. We're going to have church. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. We welcome you as you hope you've already been welcomed many, many times, both online and in the house. We're delighted that you're here. Ashley and I look forward to meeting those who are here in person, who are first-time guests. We always enjoy that. Give you a gift and just say hello uh, to you. Again, my name's Danny, Danny Forshee, pastor at Great Hills Baptist Church. If you stumbled across us on social media or online, this is, this is our church, and we welcome you. We're glad that you're here. We're, you're joining in a lot of people studying God's Word. We do make much of Christ and the Word of God here at Great Hills. We're studying the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 19, and I'm going to read verses 21 through 41. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to open it up. Open up your mind, open up your heart to receive uh, the message that God has for you. You're going to notice there's a lot of setbacks and opposition and obstacles and difficulties that Paul and his missionary colleagues are facing as they travel throughout the known world in Asia Minor, and they've landed in Ephesus, and Paul will stay in Ephesus for a total of three years. And from Ephesus, they just thought that it was all about Diana and Artemis, the goddess uh, of the people, but it was all about Christ and him establishing a beachhead there in Ephesus and from Ephesus, there'll be multiple churches planted and God is going to do an awesome work. But you're going to look at this text with me today and go, oh goodness, man, Paul's about to get killed. Paul's life is within an eyelash of being snuffed out and so are his little friends. And so just stay with the Lord, guys. Stay with Christ. I mean, you may be in a setback right now. You may be in a difficult place right now. But as we just sang so powerfully, so beautifully, that Christ is magnified. And he will be magnified in your life and in my life. We have been uh, away from Acts for, I've missed my friend Acts, and I'm glad to be back. But we have been studying uh, a series of messages called Winning the Battle in Your uh, Mind. And I'm, I'm grateful that we have compiled an ebook called Winning the Battle in Your Mind, and we're making it free and available to anybody who would like it. All you got to do is go to my website, dfea.com, and just click there that you want to sign up to receive our daily devotions. We'll give you the link, and you can go and you can download it. Had somebody from Alabama. We released it on Friday. Friday afternoon, they, they contacted me and said, I've read the whole book. It's an easy read. It's full of scripture. It's exactly what I needed about overcoming uh, anxiety. And so thank you, Chris Williams. You did a great job on editing that, putting it together, winning the battle uh, in your mind. DFEA.com, you can get it there for free, all right? So we're back in Acts, and ah, there's so much here. It's so rich, 21 verses in 45 minutes. Can it be done? It can be done. 21 verses, 45 minutes. It can, it can be done. This is, um, 
Uh, it's a lot here, and I, I've got a lot of data and background information, and, and as always, you can, you can go, you can contact us. We'll be happy to send you the manuscript. I think it's almost six pages, sorry. Six pages today, all right? So when you go to six pages, then I um, hope you don't have to go to the bathroom anytime soon, so <laughs> you gotta, you gotta stay, stay here with me, stay in here with me, all right? Here comes trouble. That's the title of the message today. Here comes trouble. Now, when I read it to you, first you're going to think, wow, everything's great. I mean, Paul, he's launched this amazing ministry. These colleagues have been traveling now on his third missionary journey. It's about A.D. 56, A.D. 57. Jesus has, has lived his amazing life. He died on the cross. He arose from the dead, A.D. 30. And now, just about 30 years removed. And the church is on the move. I'm telling you, it's like a, it's a, like a little ember, a flame, and then it becomes this mighty fire and conflagration, and it's just sweeping over the world as they are proclaiming that God is real. Jesus Christ, he is the Son of God, and he has died on a cross. He arose from the dead, and the Holy Spirit of God has come, and we are empowered now to live lives of victory and live lives of passion, not for the things of this world and the lust of the flesh, but to be passionate and to be sold out for the Lord. So as I pick it up, I want to read with you in verses 21 and 23. Paul and his colleagues, his friends are in Ephesus. Here we go in 21. And when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. So what is happening here in Paul's life? They are in Ephesus. They're on a missionary journey. They're about, Paul thinks in his mind, look, I'm about to get out of Ephesus and I'm gonna go on into Macedonia and Achaia. I'm gonna go back probably and just retrace some of the, uh, the paths that I have been on. I'm gonna strengthen the churches and then I'm gonna take up an offering. That was Paul's ministry. He's gonna take up an offering for the church that is struggling uh, in, in Jerusalem. And so we have a little map. Let me, let me pull it up, just kind of give you a, kind of where we are in the, in the travel. Here's Jerusalem, and here's uh, from where they, their home base here. They've gone out, and they've up to Antioch, 300 miles north of Jerusalem is Antioch. And this is the home base that sends Paul back out on the missionary journey, and he comes here to Ephesus. And I'm circling it. There's Ephesus because it is such a critical city in antiquity. It is one of the most preserved cities in all of antiquity. And Lord willing, we're planning in April 2023 to go there. And if you're interested, you can go with me, and I'm gonna lead a tour to retrace Paul's second missionary journey, all right? We had planned on this, had a lot of people signed up in 2020 of June. And what happened? What's wrong with that? 2020, everything shut down. Lord willing, we're going to, I've already had a number of people, not only here, but in different places of the country say, look, we want to go with you. We think this is going to be an amazing time. So we're going to do a three-day cruise in this sea. This is called the Aegean Sea. It is pretty, pretty amazing, beautiful. We'll stop in places like Rhodes and we'll stop in Patmos and then we'll come on. Well, we won't go there. That's another trip. Amen. And then we will definitely spend some time in Philippi and Thessaloniki. But here we are. He is in Ephesus, and he's thinking, everything's going so good. I'm going to send my buddies to Macedonia and Achaia. They're going to prepare my, my coming. We're going to take up an offering, and man, things are just, things are going to be great. But things weren't going to be great. 
Have you ever had a plan? And then your plan just dissolves. It just fizzles out. Where's God when our plans fizzle out? Where's God when, man, we had it all figured out and God, surely you were blessing this. Surely you were in this. And then all this opposition comes. Paul calls the opposition in Ephesus, ready for this? He calls them a bunch of beasts. Kill the beast. I mean, he's like, the beast of Ephesus are after me. And he actually says this, 1 Corinthians 15, 32. He says, I am fighting with beasts in Ephesus. And then he says in, in 16, 8, and 9 in 1 Corinthians, he says, but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, but there are many, many, you see it? Adversaries. You say, why are you reading Corinthians when we're in the city of Ephesus and we're on Paul's missionary journey in AD 57. Well, guess what? This is where he writes the letters. He writes the epistles, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, while in Ephesus. Remember, he stayed there three years. He's writing letters. He's preaching the gospel. The church is exploding. He's like, man, it's going so good. Guys, y'all ready? Let's go on over to Macedonia. Let's go up to Philippi. Let's go and go back to Athens. Let's just check on everybody. And, and man, here we go. And then, bam, here comes trouble with a capital T. Things are about to change. The reality of the opposition. Luke uses an interesting word when verse 23, when it says a great commotion happened. Anybody relate to that? Anybody commotions going on in your life? Paul's like, I know what that's all about. But doesn't Paul love God? Yes. Hasn't he planned a great plan to go and preach the gospel? And yes. Well, why, why are these things happening? I don't know completely. I don't know why things are happening in your life right now. I don't know why you're having so many setbacks. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't understand it completely. All I do know is that God is, we either believe he's God or we don't, right? We either believe that God is in control or, or we don't. And we will live it out. We will actuate what we actually believe to be true. So the Greek word is terakos. It means a disturbance. It means a tumult against the way. All right, here it is in verses 23 and 24. It says, and about that time, right? And about that time, all is right in the world. I'm planning to go continue this journey. There arose a great, and here's the word, terakos, a disturbance, a tumult about the way. Verse 23, when it says the way, it's talking about, that's an early title for uh, Christianity. Jesus said, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. And they looked at themselves as followers of the way. And so now the opposition comes against them. For a certain man named Demetrius, he's going to actually give his name, his occupation, what he's up against, what he's doing. A silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana. Also, the, the, her name is Artemis. The Greeks called her Artemis. The, the Romans called her Diana. And he brought no small profit to the craftsmen. So let's look at this here for just, just a moment. This is really important. Here Paul is. He is uh, traveling. If things are going well, he's lecturing in the school of Tyrannus. He's making disciples. He's pouring into people. I'm, I'm envisioning almost like a seminary setting. I mean, guys, things are at a pinnacle, at an apex. But then Luke interjects this. However, now comes the terakos. Here comes the opposition that Paul is going to be greatly opposed. And so even going to mention his name, Demetrius. Demetrius is a silversmith who made idols. Okay, they made these idols, they're about this big, of, of Diana, and then they would sell them throughout the city, 
And then they would bring those idols to the temple and then they would offer them as an act of worship. Let me tell you, it was big time economy. It was, it, they were making a lot of money. A lot of people believe that Demetrius is, he's over the guild, okay? He's over their, uh, their workers union. So when you see him in a moment stand up and start speaking, he's carrying a lot of clout and he ain't happy. He's not happy. When Christianity starts infiltrating his economy, I mean, he's ready for heads to roll, right? Because he's not into this Jesus way. He's not into all this disciple making. He's into money. And he's into worshiping that monstrosity of a thing called Diana or Artemis. And so, I mean, Luke is clearly laying the foundation. Here comes some trouble. There was an annual feast that lasted about a month every year in Ephesus. And here's what it would consist of. The festival would include Greek games, athletic competitions, lots and lots of drinking, a whole lot of drinking. And a lot of times when there's a whole lot of drinking, there comes a whole lot of promiscuity and there was a whole lot of that. Are you, are you tracking with me? A lot of festivals, a lot of, y'all are like, man, I thought we invented that at Woodstock or something. You know, I didn't know it. No, no, no. Man, they, they had it going on. You're talking about a month-long party, lots of prostitution, temple prostitution. Y'all with me? That's part of worshiping Diana, the great goddess who's fallen from Zeus. She literally fell from Zeus and landed in Ephesus. She's worshiped all over the known world, but especially in Ephesus because they are the prime city. They are the host city. Every month they come in, many people believe that Acts 19 is written during that month. Are you with me? During this month of festivities and drunkenness and partying and sleeping with who you want to. I mean, my party over here, party over there. Man, this is, we got it going on. What? Jesus, repent, be born again, leave all of this. You, have you lost your mind? Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Does that sound like today? Yeah, that's exactly what's going on in this text. And, and here's Paul, <laughs> and here's the disciples going, Man, we're just trying to preach Jesus and plant a church and, and do God's work, and here comes trouble. So first of all, understand the, the reality of it. Number two, understand the reasons for it. In verses 25 through 27, they're going to give you the reasons why they get so, in such hot water. So Demetrius calls them together with the workers of similar occupation, all these silversmiths. It's lucrative, guys. It's big money. It's, it's gambling, it's prostitution, it's opioid uh, tra trafficking. You call it what you want. It's, it's happening, man. They are making money off of the goddess of sex, okay? Just like today. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation, and he said, men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Here it comes. Moreover, you see, you hear, not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all of Asia, this Paul, this guy, he has persuaded and turned so many away. And, and, and they're saying that these are not gods which are made with our hands. So, talking about hyperbole, watch this. So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling in disrepute, but also the temple 
of the great goddess Diana. She may be despised and her magnificence destroyed. Watch this. Whom all of Asia and the entire world. Talking about hyperbole. Talking about exaggeration. He's making his case. He is the leader of the guild, the leader of the trade union. Call it what you will. And he stands up and he goes, all right, guys, check this out. This Paul, man, I read that. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? If you love Christ so much that you cause such a disturbance at your work, and they would say, this Jane, this Joe, this individual. Man, he is speaking derogatory. He is putting Paul down big time, but I think heaven is smiling. Y'all, y'all catching this? Y'all, are y'all with me? This Paul. Here's what I I think could have happened. I'm going to use my sanctified imagination on y'all for just a minute. I've created in my notes a dialogue that I think could have very well happened between Demetrius and a new convert to Christianity. And it went something like this. Hey guys, it's about time to purchase another silver idol to offer to our great mother goddess, Diana. Oh, um, no thanks. I won't be be needing one this year. Demetrius, taken somewhat aback, said, and why will you not be purchasing an idol? And the man replies, well, I gave my life to Christ. I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I'm, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not sleeping around with that anymore. I'm not, I'm not in a drunken orgies anymore. I'm not, I just don't do that anymore, Demetrius. I, I, I've given my life to Christ. And Demetrius says, and where did you learn this crazy nonsense? Where in the world did you learn about a Jesus and a Savior who would rescue you from our great goddess Diana? He said, there is a hot-hearted preacher named Paul. Paul told me all this. And Demetrius says, let me get my hands on that dude. I'm going to take this guy out. Look what he's doing, guys. He's taking our economics. He's taking our money from us. And watch this. If he keeps preaching Jesus, people are going to quit worshiping Diana. And oh, my world, the whole world's just going to go to hell. Look at this. Oh, my goodness. Where is he? Let's take him out. I'm trying my best to create for you what's about to happen. The place is going to go in a frenzy, an uproar. It's almost like this, and and I've experienced this one time in my ministry, this demonic activity is so intense, you're almost fearful for your life, okay? Demetrius is a mercenary. He is a menacing man who is determined to stop the preaching of the gospel. Again, Diana, it's all about Diana. It's all about Artemis. They're the same. Y'all, they literally believed that she fell from heaven. There was a meteorite, and it landed in Ephesus. They wrapped the bottom like a mummy. They put breast on the top of the meteorite, and that was their God. Can y'all imagine how the monstrosity, what that looked like? But they say, oh, that's from the heavens. That's from Zeus. And they they literally worship, and they made little trinkets to reflect that. And so they 
you say, well, they're so deceived and they're worshiping the creation instead of the creator. And it sounds familiar, doesn't it? So this is what's happening in our text. Let me go to my last point here. Uh, don't get too excited because it's long. <laughs> it's okay to laugh. I, I like to laugh. Some of y'all are laughing at me. It's okay. Results of opposition. Here it comes, 28 through 41. Take me just a minute, but it, and I, hope, I hope I've set the stage for you because it's about to break loose. Now, when they heard this, the people of Ephesus were full of wrath, and they cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion, and they rushed into the theater with one accord, and they seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians. These are Paul's traveling companions. Hey, you a Christian? Get over here. We're going to lay hands on you. That's what's happening. And when Paul, when he wanted to go to the people, the disciples would not allow him. Then some of the officials of Asia... This is an interesting word. These are the Asiarchs. Asiarchs. I'll talk about them in just a moment. They were Paul's friends. And they sent to Paul and they pleaded with him, do not go in that theater. Whatever you do, don't you dare go in that theater. They, they knew they would rip him to shreds. They would, they would kill him. In, in a moment, they would kill him. Some therefore cried one thing and some cried another, for the assembly was confused and most of them did not even know why they had come together. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. Alexander, y'all, was a Jew. He motioned with his hand, and he wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they found out that he was a Jew, all with one voice cried out for two hours, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Why are the Jews and the Christians being so fiercely persecuted? Because they're monotheists. They're not polytheists. They're not worshiping Diana and the multiplicity of gods and goddesses in the known world. And so the Jews and the Christians are going to be hated. Doesn't that sound familiar? They're going to be persecuted because they will not give in and worship Diana. And when the city clerk, now this is an interesting dude, when he quieted the crowd, he said, men of Ephesus, what man is there? who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple guardian of the great goddess Diana. Please understand this, church, that the city of Ephesus is the temple guardian of the great goddess uh, Diana. There are 33 other shrines to Diana in the Roman Empire, but the big one, all right? It's, it's Medina, it's Mecca, okay, for the, for the Muslims, all right? It's, it's Jerusalem and Bethlehem for, for Christianity and Jews, all right? It's their, it's their place. And of the image which fell down from Zeus, talked to you all about that earlier, right? The meteor, meteorite literally falls to the ground and they worship this thing. They said it came from the god Zeus. Therefore, since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. For you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if Demetrius has his, and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you have any other inquiry to make, it shall be determined in the lawful assembly. For, here cooler heads are prevailing, right? The mayor is like, people, y'all need to chill out. Y'all need to calm down, for here's why. 
We are in danger of being called into question. Rome is watching us. They could take all of our rights. If we, if we abuse and kill these innocent people, we're, we're in big trouble here in Ephesus. So you people need to chill out, okay? For we're in danger of being called into question for today's uproar. There be no reason which we may give to account for this disorderly gathering. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. So I want to share with you just a few minutes about the result. Here's, here's what happens. Aren't you, aren't you glad to read that? Isn't it cool how God, God diffuses the situation. God pours gasoline on the fire before it can erupt. And watch this. God uses unbelievers. <laughs> it tickles me. He uses unbelievers to do it. The first group of uh, unbelievers, the Asiatarchs, they are the leading citizens of Ephesus. They are the ones who hire the high priest. They are the governing board, if you will, of the city. And they are like, look, people, uh, look, Paul, look, you, you need to, you did not go in that, uh, that theater. You notice we keep talking about this theater. This theater, y'all, is still there. The theater of Ephesus, where Paul, where they're trying to tell Paul, do not go in this theater. It's still there. I have been to this theater. And there it is. This is today. This is modern day. It would seat 25,000 people. The acoustics are unbelievable and so accurate. And here, they, here they're, they're gathered and they're shouting for two hours, great is the goddess Diana, great is the goddess Diana. And they're like, and Paul's like, I'm going in there. I'm going in there. I'm going to preach Christ, and I'm going, I'm going to let them have it. And they're like, please, Paul, don't. You, you, won't even, you won't make it out alive. We're going there in April. Again, Lord willing, if it all works out, I can't wait to go back. This, this thing is so beautifully preserved. When you go to Ephesus Church, it's like you step back in time, but it's so meticulously preserved. We have a whole book in our Bibles that Paul writes a letter to the church at Ephesus called what? Ephesians. In, in, in Revelation chapter 2, the first church that, that Jesus addresses his letters, the seven letters, is the church at, at Ephesus. Ephesus, the apostle Paul uh, planted the church. Timothy, he, he pastored the church. John, the beloved John, the, the apostle, pastored this church in Ephesus. This is a this is a mighty movement of God that's going to happen. It helps me understand why the devil tried everything in his power to stop it. Did he stop it? No. The church was planted. And from there, man, the word of the Lord spread out. I wonder if you're getting so much pushback, could it be that the devil knows what a great warrior you could be for Jesus Christ so he's going to unleash everything he's got to discourage you. I wonder if that's the case. Some of y'all looking at me like, I ain't getting no pushback. I'm happy. I'm good. I got my cold beer on Friday night. I got my jeans. I feel just right. I don't know what you're talking about, Brother Dana. I don't, I don't have pushback and opposition. Let me ask you something. Are you walking with the king of kings? No, really. Are you walking with Christ? If you're walking with Jesus, you're going to get some pushback. 
you're going to get some opposition. You're going to get some people to go, you don't look right, you don't smell right, things ain't right with you. What is going on with you? Because you'd be different. You're walking with Christ. And you're that sweet fragrance of aroma to the, to the almighty God. But you are a stench of death to those who are living in that lifestyle that is totally alienated from Christ. And so I, my brothers and my sisters, are you walking with the Lord and you're serving him and you feel like you're just getting beat down time and time again. You're like, man, I'm trying. I'm trying to live for the Lord. I'm trying to do what's right. And the enemy just keeps beating my face in the ground. Here's why. You're a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And he wants to put you down. He wants to keep you down. He wants to hurt you and he wants to hurt your family. But here's what you got to do. You got to know that there's a God in heaven who loves you. Jesus Christ died for you. The Holy Spirit of God is within you. Don't give up. Don't give up. My mother, brothers and sisters who are not experiencing any of that, look, when you start walking and you get seriously walking with God, you're going to experience that. Some of you are going, no, thank you, man. I, heck no, I don't want any of that. Look, oh, dear God, I will give my life. I will give my life. If I can be a part of this and not be a part of this. Our churches are full of this. Compromise. Easy living. But God is looking for some people who will bear his name, who will speak his name, who will say the name of Jesus and biblical morality and biblical ethics. And man, I just want to prepare you. If you stand here with me, it's going to get hard. But that day, when we go into his presence, and Jesus says, great job, great job. And I've referred to this story a bunch, but when Ashley and I were down at the Capitol with Cindy Asmussen, don't mess with Cindy Asmussen, that's all I can say. She's fierce, fierce woman of God. And there was a few others of you, our family. We were down at the Capitol and I stood up to speak for Christ and to speak for babies in the womb. And man, I was shouted down and it got scary. It was, it was ugly. And these Wiccans, the witches were chanting and doing their demonic stuff. And, and they shouted us down so loud. I, Ashley come up. She tried to speak. Cindy Asmussen come. They stood beside me. And afterward, it was like Ephesus. When we began to talk to them, one of the ladies, she goes, I don't really know why I'm here. We're like, what? She goes, I just, what, why, why am I here? I'm here, I'm shouting, I'm mad, but what, can you tell me what I'm supposed to be protesting? She said, I just heard there was something about women and I just wanted to come. <laughs> Do y'all see darkness? The demonic infiltrating people's minds and their hearts. I'm gonna make this statement. I'm, if I get persecuted for it, I just get persecuted for it. But here's what I firmly, strongly believe. Take a deep breath real quick. When you remove Christ from your heart and from your conversation, you lose common sense. You don't know what a woman is. I heard today on the news it says, don't call them mothers, call them, what is it, birth people? I'm like, we lost our ever-loving minds? 
We don't know what a man is. We don't know what a woman is. We don't know what marriage is anymore. Oh, mercy. But guys, it could get worse. It, we could go back here. We could be in this day and age, and maybe we are. Maybe this is the, the route, that, that the trajectory that we're on. Oh, yeah, yeah, let me say this before I'm done. Opposition or persecution can bring out the courage or the coward in all of us. Opposition and persecution, it can bring out the courage in you or the coward in you and me. I was thinking about um, Ronald Reagan and his, you know, he's the one that recognized Lenny Sputnik. Y'all remember this? Sput I can't even pronounce the guy's name. I'm glad I write everything down. But it helps if you can find it through your tears and makeup. Can, can I get a, can a brother get some Kleenex here? Y'all help me out? Somebody? That's good. Oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you, Warren. Scutnik. There it is. So he's the guy that in January of 1982, he dives in the Potomac and he rescues this lady who their flight has crashed into the Potomac's freezing weather. And um, he goes in and he grabs her. Y'all, it's cold in the Potomac in January. And he, he saves her life. And Ronald Reagan invites him to the um, State of the Union address. And he says, there's Lenny Skutnik. And he recognizes him. Well, most presidents since Reagan, not all of them, have recognized someone with their heroism and their valor and their courage, and they literally refer to them as the Lenny Skutniks. I'm thinking, what if, what if God puts us on display and we have an opportunity to exhibit that kind of courage? You know, would, would we do it? Would we stand or would we try to rescue or would we, or would we wilt and, and fall back in, in cowardice? I know I'm going kind of fast. This is some really interesting data and I have all this in my, uh, in my uh, notes. But this guy, the first group of guys, they are the, the leaders. They're trying to get Paul, please do not go in that, that theater because you're not gonna come out alive. And so it worked. And I can just see the church pulling Paul back, all five foot of him. He's just ready to rush in and preach the gospel and, and, and lay down his life if need be. But it wasn't his time. It wasn't AD uh, 67. This is AD 57. Paul's got about 10 more years on the earth. But the city clerk, y'all, in verse 35, I just thought this was interesting. Let me, let me get you to look at it and we'll wrap it up. Verse 35 says, and when the city clerk had quieted the crowd, the, the Greek word translated city clerk is grammatias. It's where we get our English word grammar. The grammatias, the city clerk, was the person, thought this was cool, he would draft or write the decisions of the assembly and have them engraved. He was a large and in charge kind of guy. He was like the mayor of Ephesus. He's the grammatias. And the Asiarchs, and the Grammatias are coming to Paul's defense. And they're like, Paul, please don't go in there. And then the Grammatias is telling the people, look, y'all need to chill out. Because if word gets out that we're up here 25,000 strong screaming at the top of our lungs and we're bloodthirsty and we're ready to kill these Christians, it, it, that will not 
It will not bode well. For, have y'all ever noticed this? Until it's your time to go, you don't have a thing to worry about. God's got you. God's going to protect you. He's going to guard you. He's going to, he's going to make it that, that nobody can harm you. And I read this passage of Scripture, I'll just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for preserving this story. Thank you that we even get the opportunity to go over here, go over there one day and to, and to actually see it and, and to I experience it. Well, that's my sermon. I, this sermon went a lot of different directions I hadn't planned on. I, a lot of this and this, not in my notes. So maybe that's the part that you needed to hear the most. That you stand for Christ or you, or you don't. I want to pray for you that God would give you courage. Um, there may come a day, there may come a time for me and for you where we literally have to, to take a stand like this. Um, now, I just think it's a matter of time. I really do. Uh, I think it's a matter of time where we're going to be so put on the spotlight uh, because we, we're followers of the way. We follow Christ. And we love everybody, but we just can't go along with the, with the ways of the world, the sins of the world. We're like, that, God's rescued us from that, and he can rescue you from that. And no matter how redemptively and compassionately we say that, uh, we're going to be persecuted and probably be punished uh, because of our stand for biblical ethics and morality. But again, what a day. What, what, what if they say, this Patrick. This guy was the guy that told everybody in our office about Jesus Christ. I think he ought to be terminated, you know. Or this, this lady here, this lady right here, she, y'all see her? She's the one. She's the one. She had the audacity to tell me that what I was doing was, was not in my best interest, that Christ could redeem me from that. Can you believe she did that? Man, I want to encourage y'all. I want to encourage me. Let's, let's stand. Let's stand for Christ. Father, I'm praying in Jesus' name that there be a boldness, a courage within us. Lord, I'm asking you, and I'm, I'm thanking you, first of all, for Acts chapter 19. Thank you, Lord, for all the dynamics and all the personalities and all the background and the history and, and what's going on there. Lord, why did you, why did you keep this for us? Why is this preserved in holy writ? Why can we look at it and read it of all days in 2022? 20, uh, and, and, and could it be, Lord, that you are, that you're preparing us to be men and women of God, to be men and women of faith, uh, to stake a stand uh, for biblical ethics and biblical morality? And Lord, not that we're better than anybody else, not that the only thing we have, God, that the world doesn't have is you. And we just love you and we want the world to know you and to walk with you. The Great Hills Baptist Church, as you're praying, can I just come alongside you and pray with you and pray for you? And those of you that are watching us online, I know many of you are watching all over the country and I'm praying for you in your city and your state, wherever you may be, that God would give you boldness and God would give you courage. And when your moment comes to shine, that you would shine for Christ. Some of our students, God bless you. As you go back to public school, you go to the university, you go to the, to the college, and man, it's, it's gonna be on. It's gonna be on. Will you be that outlier? Will you be that young woman of God?
young man of faith, say, look, I, I, just, I just can't go along with that. I, that's, just not, that's just not what I've been taught. <laughs> that's not what my Bible tells me. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna abstain. I'm gonna withdraw. Lord, would you raise them up? Would you strengthen them? Man, they know, God, they're not alone. They have the church of God. They have the, they have the angel armies surrounding them. Lord, we need you. God, I need you. I'm asking you, Lord, for courage. I'm asking you, Lord, for the people that I'm praying for right now in this very room. God, that that test that they're undergoing, that battery of tests, God, make it a great testimony. And Lord, I am praying that they're set back, they're pushed back, they're being put down. Lord, it's setting a stage for a mighty comeback. It's setting a stage for a glorious testimony for the gospel. Praying that for our church, oh God. I'm praying for Great Hills Baptist Church. Lord, I'm praying that you would do something so magnificent and mighty in us and through us that a lost world and even a church world would rise up and say, well, look what God did. That's my prayer, Lord. And that's my passion. And I'm praying this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wish I'd have taken that second one, one that you offered me. Let me just use this one that's already used. Um, yeah. Just you bring it. I, I appreciate it. You know, no, well, okay. I learned once. I'm good. You know. When I pastored in Virginia, no, no joke, I would get so excited. I've, I've mellowed out a little bit. Aren't y'all glad? I've mellowed out, mellowed, mellowed out a little bit. One lady bought me a, a, a device that you put on your hand so that when you hit the pulpit, it wouldn't hurt your hand. She literally bought it for me and gave it to me. And they put a rug, they bought a rug, it's about this thick, and I got to preach one day, and I was like, why is this big old rug? And they said, well, when you stomp your foot, because I hurt my foot one time. I stomped so hard, I hurt my ankle, so. Anyhow, we're on. When we stand in just a moment, uh, and we sing, I, I do invite you, if you, uh, if you want to give your heart to Christ and become a follower of the way, y'all okay? If you want to follow the way, then would you come and just let us pray for you, let us encourage you, let us introduce you to Christ. Maybe you're here and you already know the Lord and you're following the Lord and you're one of those that are like, dude, when you're all excited about getting that kind of stuff, man, that's what I feel like. And I'm just, I'm beginning to ask, God, is that worth it? Is it worth it? It is worth it. Just know you're not alone. And if you come, you come to the altar and just maybe just say, somebody, hey, anybody around here? Can y'all pray? Pray for me and watch what'll happen. It'd be like honey in the rock. It'd be like, not bugs, but what do you call those things that fly? Bees, like bees on a honey. I mean, people will come and they were like, let me pray for you. Mark and your family, a couple weeks ago, Mark Hall. When y'all were praying, it was just so beautiful to see the church rally around and pray for one another. So let's stand up. Let's sing. God bless you as you come. We pray for you. We encourage you tonight, today.